Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Podcast. I'm your co-host Mike Broadbent. Joining me is the whole gang, uh, co-host Richie Snyderite, beat writers Craig Epstein and Chris Nolaski. Guys, uh, I told people I was going to be a little more positive moving forward, but after last night, I might be breaking my own promise here. Uh, Rutgers <laughs> lost at home to Michigan, 58-45. to 45. Uh, This is a game Rutgers had in control early on, um, and then they had a few cold streaks. It seemed like they just kind of fell apart. Uh, a lot, a lot of things to discuss in this game, um, but let's just go around the horn. Quick, quick thoughts, and we can get dive deeper into it. Richie, what was your quick thought during this game and right afterwards? Ooh, do I want to play good cop or bad cop? Um, I'll play good cop for now. Uh, at first, it looks really good. It looks really solid. Thought the team was uh, doing really well. Off to a hell of a start. I did tweet something, so I'll take a little bit of blame. Tweeted that Michigan was on pace for twenty points in the first half at the ten minute mark. I did not mm-hmm. see the first half ending 27-23, but um, is that what it was? That's what it was, right? It's 26-23. Uh, yes, because that weird free throw situation, which we could dive yeah, we'll into get into later. that. We'll get into that. Quick but, thoughts uh, <laughs> Overall, quick thoughts. Um, solid 10 minutes of play. Shitty 30 minutes of play. Yep. Um, holy hell, there's no bench. Zero bench there still. That didn't change since last year. And um, that's, that's really all I'm going to say on that part. Uh, I'll get more in depth later when I'm yelling. All right. So technically the bench actually, I'm pretty sure outscored Michigan's bench, <laughs> but um, quick thoughts here. Uh, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll play, I'll play the other side of the coin. Uh, you know, you're not going to win a game going five of 16 from the free throw line. And with Andre Hyde getting zero points on a team that doesn't score. Um, you know, if, if, you know, a month ago, if you were told me Rutgers, you know, held Michigan to 58 points and lose by 13, I would have called you crazy. So, um, yeah, Rutgers is having a bit of a scoring drought right now. Um, obviously, the defense was solid. I mean, they still held Michigan to 58 points. Uh, but Michigan did have a lot of, a lot of good runs. And, uh, you know, Michigan really couldn't – I mean, uh, Rutgers couldn't keep up. Uh, they started well in the in the beginning, 13-3, uh, to 3, and then uh, it all kind of fell apart after that uh, for the most part. But – uh, yeah, I mean, this was a game Rutgers, you know, probably should have really had a home, especially, and I think it was quite quite two loss there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, those are my quick thoughts, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of thoughts of this game, a lot of thoughts, and unfortunately, not a lot of them are positive. So, I mean, we can play a semantics game. You, you can use whatever adjective you want to describe Rutgers, feel free, but to me, Rutgers is just not a good basketball team right now. I mean, they scored got they scored forty five points at home against what I believe is an average Michigan team and lost by thirteen points. Like that's just that's just bad. I'm sorry, but that's just it's terrible. It's right now Rutgers is just defensively. I get it. Like they're still still solid here and there. Like they still held them to what fifty eight points. So it's still a solid defensive effort. So I don't want to take that much away from the defense, but their offense right now is putrid. 
I mean, the like you said, they got off to the hot start. They got thirteen. I think they got a thirteen to three, and things were looking good. It looked okay. This is we're coming a little. Maybe we're coming back to the Rutgers team we've come to know. You know, the, the things were rolling, things were rocking. The state, the Jersey Mike's was bouncing. It's like okay, here we go. But then, then Dean, then they sit down. Cliff and Dean comes in, and then the the nine zero run comes. It's thirteen to twelve. Then it's a ball game again, and then just from basically from. From that moment on, the offense just completely hit a wall. It was just, it was just terrible. For from that point on, it's just like, it's just frustrating to watch. And it's just honestly, it's just boring to watch. There's just, it, they 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 struggle with layups. If for Cliff, if it's not a dunk, he's probably not making it. So they struggle with layups. They struggle with the mid range game. They struggle with threes. There's 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 no there's not a four point shot in basketball so there's there's nothing that their offense does right now that is good so to me it's just like I'm sorry but the, the offense right now is putrid the defense right now is I'd say pretty good I, I don't think it's a, it's not as good as it, as we've come to expect you know early on in the season it's still pretty good but just right now Rutgers is not a good basketball team I'm sorry at the end of the day that's 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 my takeaway. All right, so let's talk about that early hot start because I did think that they did look fantastic in the first 10 minutes of this game. So Rutgers immediately got out in front of Michigan. <laughs> they had a 13-3 to point lead. Michigan started shooting uh, on the night 1-10. for 10. They were playing good defense. And then what's been c- pretty consistent with Rutgers lately is these long scoring droughts. We saw it, you know, starting – it started basically when Mag got out because Mag, he covered up a lot on defense, but he also was one of their better players – in the mid range, um, when Rutgers needed a shot, needed you know an easy bucket, Mag seemed to be able to find a way to make his own shot. But you saw it; they had four, they had three stretches last night of four plus minutes without scoring. So that first stretch, it started around the 14 minute mark and lasted until the nine minute mark, and allowed Michigan to get back in the game. And at that point, they had confidence. They, you know, you saw it from you know Hunter Dickinson. We we stifled early on, and then they start hitting shots. They start getting swaggy. Their bench starts chirping. And they just, you know, they grow in confidence. They're, you know, they're like their coach. They're, they're dickheads. So, like, you know, once they get that confidence rolling, they, they're, they're not unstoppable, but they're so much better when they're playing from ahead than when they're playing down because they're just – that's just their mentality. Um, but I just feel like this team kind of shot itself in the foot over and over in the first half, and then by the second half, they were just defeated and made a lot of really dumb plays, a lot of bad passes, a lot of ugly shots. Um, I just, I, I don't know what we can do differently with three games left in the season to, to make me feel a lot better about this team right now. They're not a bad team. I, I do think that they're borderline elite defensively, but you've seen what happens. There's no depth. Like, let's talk about that. Like, as soon as Cliff came out of the game, what, uh, I believe that's when the, the run started. Like, yep. what, what was what was also, what was Dean Reber last night? He was like a minus, minus nine on plus minus twelve, minus eleven on the fir- in the first half though, right? Minus twelve in the first half, minus twelve for the entire game because he stopped playing after that. He stopped playing. Let's be honest. It got it got bad it, last night. It got so bad to a point that they had to put Will Falk in. There was uh, to me there were they they didn't got, they did not go into this game planning to put Will Falk in, but Dean's playing yesterday. I think got to a point where they just had to put Will Falk in. 
And Will Folk, I mean, he picked up what those foul, a foul or two early on. But to me, he picked like up the foul in five yeah. seconds. I think as soon as he got perfect. put in, he was literally <laughs> just like it was like a blocking drill with Hunter Dickinson. Yeah. He was just shoving him, and after the yeah. second shove, the ref called it. Hunter Dickinson didn't take the bait. I wonder if he was just trying to get him to like throw a punch or something. But he yeah. literally got in the game and just starts shoving him out of bounds. I, I mean, think maybe it was the equivalent. Maybe this was the equivalent of a of a manager coming in, getting thrown out to fire up his team. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't make it, it to me. It's just like you come in five seconds, you get a foul. It's just like it's tough, and it's like. But even even with what Wolfolk did, I guess did and didn't do, it was still to me a better performance than what Dean did. <laughs> no, see, yeah, me and Chris both held, agreed he, on this. Set set he, the tone. He held, he set he the held tone early. Yeah. Sorry. Go, Chris. <laughs> no, yeah, I was saying he held his own. I really think he did on purpose. Like, the play, like, didn't even start yet, and he was already pushing Dickinson. So, like, it was totally on purpose. And, like, you know, Antoine's a freshman, but he played football. He's not He's not afraid of anybody. So, he was. He totally, he totally did on purpose in my mind. Yeah, you might you might be a top center, but go, go F yourself. Like, this is it, boy. Come on. <laughs> I love this. Let's do this. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I love that. Like, yeah. I think the first thing I said in the text group chat immediately, and everyone's like, you guys were all like, what the fuck? Why'd he foul already? And I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah, poach him more. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Get thinking that. about it a little bit more, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's from a game perspective, it's dumb, but maybe to fire up the team, like right now, because right now, I mean, like I said, the, the, the team is like, <clears throat> is just like hitting these like ruts, and it's like well, something's got to fire him up, whether, I mean, the crowd, I mean, if the crowd's not doing it, I mean, the place is yeah. jam packed going, <clears throat> you know, going crazy from the jump. I mean, if they're not, if they're not doing it, then might as well, you know, Wolf Folk might as well give it a shot. The other Let's thing talk is about Hunter's Hunter's weak minded. The man just yeah. talks shit on his in his pod every week and just ends up blowing up in his face. So you give him <laughs> a little shove, like you never know how he might react. I know someone just said he might he might punch. He say hey, you never know. <laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely not uh, he's definitely not bigger than doing something like that. But I think the crowd on TV it, it sounded like a total zoo at, at the rack slash Jersey mm-hmm. Mike's last night, um, which <clears throat> obviously is a great environment to show a guy like Kurtang. But yeah, it seemed like. They were just waiting all night, the crowd, to just go crazy. <laughs> and in the second half, they had, like, little spurts where they'd go on, like, a four-point run, and they'd get back into it. But there wasn't really mm-hmm. an opportunity for the crowd to affect the game in the second half. Yeah. I mean, know, I, uh, I, all right. One I, I wrote, I wrote <laughs> that they led in the first half for 16 minutes and 42 seconds, and they were losing by three points at halftime. Like, that's, <laughs> that, that's bad. Like, I mean, they did, they did everything they could defensively, and then – after the first start, you know, they did absolutely nothing offensively. So, and then, and then like Andre Hyatt, like it was 13 to three. And actually that was also when Michigan started to run. It was 13 to three. Andre Hyatt, and he was like, you know what? I didn't shoot yet. So I'm going to chuck up this really bad three. And then he missed that. And then obviously Michigan started to run. And then he chucked up another three. That was another air ball. And uh, yeah, but you know, I talked about on the pod a couple weeks ago, how Rutgers needs Hyatt to be consistent. And, you know, he scored 24 points again, uh, a career high a couple of games ago against Nebraska. He frees for anyone uh, but else. then he hasn't yeah, done that, you know, anything okay. since. Uh, well, I guess going off, of what since, he's, so. going off what he said, I mean, uh, Hyatt, no, I talk, Rutgers, for me, that doesn't score, I don't want to hold. Absolutely need Hyatt I don't want to hold it against Hyatt because Hyatt's been probably their best player, honestly, since oh, Mack sure. has no, gone I'm down. Not, like, no, I know. Yeah, yeah. It's just, to me, though, like, to me, Hyatt has become one of their more dependable players. You cannot have a performance like that yesterday. Like, you got to give me something. The fact that, like, you can, like, I think he, he didn't score anything. Like, you can't, like, I, like, even if it's just, it's just, you know, frustrating because it's just like, I, you're dependable. I know you can score. I've seen you do it. It's like, but you, in a game like this, an environment like this, 
in a game as important as this, you can't give me a scoreless performance. I'm sorry. So if we count Caleb as a starter, the bench scored eight points on two of six. Like, it's just it's brutal. Like, it's <laughs> just this, this team just has no depth now. Mm. And that's – I don't even know. I'm, I'm not going to get into it because I'm, I'm too <laughs> negative. I do think that Palmquist has turned into a decent, like, knockdown shooter. Like, if you just <laughs> – if yeah. you can somehow kick it out to him and he's in the corner and he's got nobody on him, he hits about 50% of those. So Palmquist has value. It's just you don't really want to be playing Palmquist 25 minutes because he's not, he doesn't have the best foot speed. You know, he's a big guy, but he's not necessarily a guy who's going to challenge players at the rim. He's, he's a, you know, if he's your ninth guy, if he's your tenth guy, I'm fine with that. But right now he's a starter on this team mm-hmm. because of injuries. And I think. I honestly think that it's it's very very difficult to build depth in the modern college basketball um, mm-hmm. just the modern situation of college basketball because a lot of these guys they're just transferring if they're if they're going into a season knowing they're the sixth man and they're a sophomore and they were a top you know 150 recruit they're going to a place where they could start. Pike obviously has a pretty good culture so I, he doesn't have guys transfer out that often. And you heard Gio talking about how valuable a guy like Palmquist is you know, being a veteran presence, not complaining, just keeping his head down to keep the other guys like Jalen Miller and Dirk Simpson and Wolfolk, who are probably wanting more minutes from bitching and moaning. But it's really hard to build depth 10, 11 guys deep. And once you lose a starter, there's not many teams that could, could recover from losing one of their best players. So I, I feel like this is kind of like a fatalistic season where because we lost one of our best players, it's just Something that's almost impossible to recover from midseason. At the same time, though, I get, I like, I, I get it. Mawat Mag is a glue guy. He was one of the most important players probably on this team. And when you lose Mawat Mag, you lose a little bit of your defensive ability and your offensive ability. So you lose both. But was do you, does Mawat Mag really to the point that were they a Mawat Mag injury away from looking? this bad on offense like really well, you're telling me Mag mag with that is that important like i don't want to discredit mag because i do think he's a very good player and we saw him come, rounding out and becoming the player we all thought i can but is it, were they really a Mawat mag injury from becoming this I, so let's talk about all the things he did because you've noticed mm-hmm. since moat has gone out they haven't pressed nearly as much so he was an excellent defender pressing is it takes a lot out of you so if you're if you're doing a full court press for half the game, that means you're running 94 feet on every possession rather than just playing some kind of base defense. So that's that's been that's been hurt a lot. Mawat was one of our better mid range shooters. Mawat was able to to help Caleb stay fresh because when Caleb would come out, Mawat would stay on and defend the best player. Now that's kind of on Caleb, and he's got to defend mm-hmm. the best players every night, and he doesn't really get much of a break. And when Caleb comes out, you know you have a guy like. How many times did, and obviously Hunter, Caleb wouldn't be on Hunter Dickinson that much, but Hyatt got switched on to Hunter Dickinson a bunch of times last night, yep. and that was a nightmare uh, matchup. Like, Hyatt's got to step in and be, like, you know, one of our best defenders when he's just an average defender. He's not bad. He's, he puts an effort, but we don't have that extra stud sitting around anymore. So it's just like uh, a lot of these guys are a lot more worn out by the end of games, and that fatigue builds on itself over the, t- over the course of the season. So I think – it's just frustrating when you used to be good at something and now you're not as good. And I think that plays a psychological toll on, on the team. And I think that bleeds into the offense because a guy like Spencer now has to defend a lot more. He has to be part of the press team. And like, you know, we've seen 
I don't know if his legs aren't under him anymore, but his, I mean, obviously his shooting's fallen off quite a bit for the most part outside of, you know, the Wisconsin first half. He hasn't been the same shooters that he was in the first half of the season either, but I do think hey, it's, Mag- it's like a, it's like a cumulative toll thing. Yeah. Mag also opens things up. Like if you looked at that three player lineup combos that we posted the other day, but mm-hmm. the, yep. the CBB analytics, Mag is in every single lineup, like pretty much of the top lineups for Rutgers. Like it's Mulcahy, Mag, Amarui or Amori, uh, Spencer, Mulcahy, Mag, Mulcahy, McConnell, Mag. Like it's, and then you go to the 100 minutes played minimum. It's still Mag, Mag. Every like lineup has Mag in it in some form. Yeah. Uh, maybe he's not scoring at will, but he's just he's doing all the little things that don't show up in the box score too. The man is just Mister Do It All. Like he's a Swiss Army knife. I know it's like a cliche that everyone uses now, but that's his the true definition of it. No, I get it. I definitely, yeah, I definitely get. Like I said, losing Want Mag is a big loss, but just to me, for, I guess from a broad perspective, is do you really go from the second best? team in the Big Ten, surefire top <laughs> four, five seed in the tournament to now a bubble team, with, maybe a bubble team without Mag. We're not a bubble team. Let's just put it there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're, no. You're, not you're, that you're hitting that shit Possibly a bubble team. We're if not they, a bubble if team. They keep, if they keep falling, I guess. The only way we're a bubble team is if we go 0-3 to finish the season, including a loss Even at then. Minnesota, and then we'd have to lose our game in ugly fashion in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. I, exactly. I just really don't see yeah. that happening. I, I don't understand like how people keep saying like no offense, Craig, but like there's everyone on the board. It's like, are they gonna make it? Like, yes, they're gonna make it. Look at their resume. The bubble stinks. It's yeah. fucking awful this year. Last year they made it as a seventy-seven net ranking. Seventy-seven. Yep. There's what a sixty-four that make it. Yeah. Uh, sixty-eight. Yeah. Sixty-eight. What seventy-seven? <laughs> And went back to the body of work, right? I mean, this year, again, Rutgers beat number one Purdue. They have uh, a lot more road wins this year than they have in the past couple of years. And they have, uh, what, like five or six quad one wins at this point, something like that. Yeah, um, it varies. So, yeah, I mean, uh, just just going back to the, to the mission game, too. Um, you know, I know we didn't mention it specifically. We kind of mentioned him, but... Uh, it was actually good, good, good to see Caleb, you know, back after missing the one yeah. game. Uh, yep. He, you know, he made his imprint, you know, right away when it came to the game. Like five seconds after he came in, he he hits a three in transition um, to go up thirteen to three. So uh, it was good, good to see him back. He looked, he looked fine. Um, so he didn't look like anything really was was bothering him again. Uh, you know, last night. So that was that was good, you know, good to see for him. So, you know, just, that was great for the crowd too, just for the energy yeah. in the building. Like him coming out and warming up and having his full uniform on, not having his you know warm up sweats, and then coming in. I think that was a huge boost to the team and to the, the crowd. And that was why I just felt like that momentum was going to carry us in this game, and it just didn't, obviously. But well, yeah. And then ugh, another aggravating part was just the passes. The thing where McConnell was making, like, yeah, yeah, those, yeah, those, yeah, those like those you know football stuff, like. To me, the probably the most aggravating part of that that is what were those pa- like what were those passes even going to accomplish? Because there was one pass that was like he passed it from the Rutgers side of the court, maybe by the foul line to half court to try and get it to I think Cam, who's mm-hmm. standing kind of at half court. Even if that pass gets there, like what does that accomplish? Like they're still just going to run a half court offense with maybe a little bit a couple more seconds. But it, it's, the risk is not worth the reward. Like I just don't get it. Yeah, he had a couple of those. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There was just a lot of boneheaded passes in general. Like, Paul had some. There was a play where, like, you know, we, we had a, a defensive rebound coming up the court, and Cam, like, did a, like, almost like a no-look pass, but it was like a pass ahead to Palmquist. He wasn't expecting it. Like, mm-hmm. 
Paul tried to do these like weird like spin passes into to Cliff when he's double teamed, and they like Cliff, Oscar Cliff got really lucky. Ends. Yeah, Oscar got really lucky because there was one pass he just kind of threw up, and it looked like he it was going to go sailing out of bounds, and they grabbed it. It was like, it's like what? what? Yeah, like is there yeah. a ghost in here? Is there a, is there like a wind chill in here or something? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, just annoying. <laughs> going going back to it real quick, I just looked at it. Seventy nine brackets last year at this point had Rutgers in it. There's 107 out of 107 currently that have Rutgers in the tournament. No, I get it. In the butt. Like, going it's back, we, we, talked, we talked about this, I think, yesterday. Is, we're all in agreement. Two and two, definitely in. No worries. The part where I think we start to lose each other a little bit, I feel one and three, assuming you beat Minnesota, you're likely in, but I think you're sweating a little bit. 100% in. If you go oh okay, Richie, if you go oh and four, <laughs> what then? Ninety five percent in. So you okay. You, yeah. And again, I'm taking out the big ten tourney because obviously but I still think you don't like, have I a lot of loss on they, this record. Like, because when we get because when we get to the bit to the tournament to the conference tournament season, there's gonna be bid stealers. Like there is every year. So that's, that's only going to add. So if you go one and three, zero oh and four, that's only going to add to it. And yeah, and I think the as much as they do look at the net and the, the you know all the analytical stuff that you know they do, they also I think are just going to look at the the team's efficiencies. And to me, Rutgers' efficiency right now on offense, putrid. I mean, they're one of the probably the worst offensive teams in the country right now. Defensively, that might be the thing that saves them. Their defense is still is still pretty good. So that might be their saving grace at the end of the day. But just to me, it's it, you're, once you get into that one and three, zero oh and four scenario, you're you're sliding down a slippery slope. And to me, yeah, maybe you still get in, but I think you're still going into Selection Sunday sweating. Right now, there's about like twenty. No, there's more than that actually. There's maybe thirty, forty brackets to have them as a seven seed. I'm extremely confident, even if they finish out losing, they're going to be in. Pending, like Mike said, <clears throat> a giant blowout loss in week one of the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, if mm-hmm. we lose to Minnesota on the road, if we lose mm-hmm. to, let's say, our first-round matchup is, I don't know. Um, I don't even know who it would be at that point. So this, let's just assume we lose a bunch of games to close out. Let's say our first-round matchup is against like, like Nebraska, maybe. Minnesota. Nebraska or Minnesota. <laughs> or let's say we're playing Wisconsin. or let's get, yeah, Let's say Wisconsin <clears throat> or Nebraska. Say we lose by 15 to, to Wisconsin or Nebraska in the Big Ten tournament first round. Then I'd start to win. But – for right now, I feel very confident. I'd say high 80s, low 90s percent that we make the tournament. Um, and another win, I feel it's locked in. But, and and the uh, way they're playing now, though, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think they're going to probably lose, you know, Sunday against Penn State. I mean, Penn State, honestly, has, has impressed me this season. They just, they're coming off a road win last night against Ohio State. Um, they kind of been up and down, but, but Rutgers does not play well at, at Penn State. They kind of you know, even even Geo Baker said it either with you guys or or, or his podcast that uh, you know Penn State is just like a weird place to play. And the same thing as Minnesota. Like Minnesota, like they're not a good basketball team, but it's like it's a weird place to play with the court with the with with everything there. That that's what everyone always says too. So I mean, it's no guarantee they win any more games, but you know the three games left, they gotta you know they have to win at least at least one and you know. And in the Minnesota game, I, I guess, but I do want to. I'm, I'm kind of on Craig's side a little. I'm kind of on Craig's side a little bit that, uh, you know, if they do go 0 and 4, 0 and 5, you know, the rest of the way, then you know, Rutgers is in is in the is in you know some some sweating shape. But you know, it is all about you know 
the body of work, and they did have a lot of good wins early in the season. You know, they beat Purdue again. They beat you know a lot of other good teams. They they have a road win at Northwestern, which you know we see North you know Northwestern playing as good as good as anybody right now. Um, but yeah, I think I think I'm with Craig though overall that you know if they don't pull out another win, uh, then it'll be interesting. For sure. And I think the I think the joke of it all is if you've seen the if you will read in the warm is I picked Rutgers to beat Penn State. Like I still think they're capable <laughs> of going. Two and two down the stretch here. I in my like in my heart of hearts, I still think they're capable of doing it. Like I could, I could, I could see it, but at the same time, it's just, it's just you know, it's so tough. Yeah. It's just tough, you know. But again, I still, I do still think they're capable of going two and two and getting into the and in, into in, in not sweating selection selection Sunday. But I just have to go, but I just have to go off of, I guess, the last thing I see because that's that's all I can go off of. So I do want to push back a little bit. Like Penn State, they. Lost. They're on a three-game winning streak right now. They had lost their previous four at Maryland, at home against Wisconsin, at Nebraska, and at Purdue. The, their last three games, two of them were against the two worst teams in the conference in Ohio State and Minnesota. Now I know Ohio State's not terrible, but they're still three and freaking fourteen in the division in the conference, and they beat Minnesota one and fifteen in the conference, and then Illinois they'd pre- beaten previously in the year. That's a nice win, but it's not mm-hmm. like they're. I think we should pump our brakes a bit. Outside of Jalen Pickett, that's a team that doesn't really scare me a ton, but they are hot right now. But this is a team that we beat by 20 early in the year. I, I do think that we can go in there and win. I don't think Penn State's a world beater, but it's, I think for me what's giving me hesitation is they just don't play well at Penn State. That's the, the, the main concern. But yeah, To me, it all comes down to how is Penn State shooting that night. If they're shooting the lights out, Rutgers yep. is going to get run off the court. If yep. they're bricking, yeah. brick, if they're putting up a brick house, then I think Rutgers is going to win, honestly. That's yeah. And that's I think the after reason three, they beat, I, they've had a – sorry, what did you say, Richie? That's, that's the exact reason. Like when they played Rutgers last time, they shot awful from three. They bounced back yep, yep. the next game and scored 83 on, Min- on Michigan and beat them by 22. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, what did, that's why I like yeah. – Low key, like I think if Penn State makes the tournament, and I said this before, they're a dangerous team just because they're three point shooting. Like some nights it's on, some nights it's off. It's just they mm-hmm. live and die by it. Like and it's it works, I guess, sort of to an extent. Yeah. And to me on Saturday, so they've been rolling for three, basically three straight games now. Mm-hmm. Are they going to revert back to kind of the mean, or are they going to keep rolling? To me, I'm more leaning on the side of they're going to get come back to the mean with Rutgers against again. Again, Rutgers are pretty. Still a pretty solid mm-hmm. defensive team, so I think, like I said, I think that's why I think Rutgers, that's why I think Rutgers is going to win on Saturday. Plus, the uh, riot squad's going there too. Got a big bus, couple buses. Rutgers. Yeah, uh, that game's also on Sunday, not Saturday. Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, correct. Yeah. Oh, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Gotcha. Sunday, Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday. Um, a couple things. I heard some rumors that Rutgers game against uh, Minnesota might get moved. Nip is that butt. something that is not happening? No, it's too much. Um, Pike said it last night. It's too much uh, movement in terms of uh, moving planes, moving this, moving that. I think Michigan State's the one that wanted to move originally. Um, so I don't know uh, what the deal is going to happen with them. And I think it was Minnesota, right? But uh, yeah, no, Rutgers isn't changing their schedule. I was going to say, Michigan State seems to get whatever the fuck they want in the Big Ten. So I'm glad that or somebody's putting their foot down and telling them, no, you guys missed the game. You have to make it inconvenient for yourselves, not inconvenient for everyone else. Uh, well, that's good to hear. You better Glad retire. To... You better you better retire soon, man. It's getting ugly over there. Yeah. Um, let's talk about something positive, though, because I think Rutgers' future is extremely bright. Obviously, we had a top 50 visitor uh, on an official visit that started last night in Kurtang. 
Mm-hmm. Um, have you heard anything about how that visit's going, Richie? Or is that kind of like until the visit's over, you won't really know? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's part of it. You learn a lot more post-visit when you get to talk to sources and stuff. But uh, as far as what I heard last night, it sounds like Rutgers is in the lead there. Uh, it sounds like Providence is number two and Michigan State dropped down to three, even though they're kind of it's, – it's a weird situation where, like, if you didn't – commit to Michigan state back in October on your visit, you're probably, mm-hmm. they're just going to move on. You're going to move on and that's it. So be it. Um, it does sound like it's Rutgers or Providence. It sounds like he had a good time at Providence. His AAU program, I said last week also pushes for, uh, pushes guys a little bit towards staying in the new England area in the Providence area. Uh, but it sounds like this is all Rutgers all the way. Yeah. It's a, it's a loss, but stop thinking one game is going to change this kid's mind on like a school, no matter what recruit it is. It's not one game is never going to affect anything that much. Now, could a kid be close to committing and one game could put him over the top and make him commit? Yeah. Could a kid be close to decommitting already and one significant 40-point loss to Michigan on the football field turn him down to decommit? Yeah, it could. But uh, it's also not one game is going to factor into like a big decision like that. It's, it's more than that. Relationships being built, which Rutgers probably does better than most, if not everyone in the country. Uh, but it does sound like Rutgers is going to land Kurtang. Now, after that, is the big question. Obviously everyone wants to know about Dylan. Dylan, it sounds like he's still leaning towards Rutgers, but he's going to take more visits. He's going to visit Kansas. He's going to visit Auburn. He still has an official visit open for Rutgers. He hasn't taken one there yet. And I think he'll schedule that in the summer before he commits. And uh, who else am I missing? Who was the other one? Mustaf. I think it was Jared Mustaf. I think his dad played for the Knicks actually for a little bit. Yeah, no big deal. Number 45 player in the country. A nice backup plan for Rutgers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rutgers is staying on them, though. Like it's Pike's trying to get this like Fab Five-level class, and I don't yeah, blame him. I mean, if you can pull it off, shit, man, do it. So <laughs> I want to talk about what Pike envisions his team to look like <laughs> in terms of play style when he has those elite talents on the court. Obviously, defense is always going to be Pike's number one thing. Effort, you know, putting up a wall around everybody who's trying to to do anything offensively. But I I was talking to you guys about this. I think the ceiling for this team and this program could be basically what Houston's doing right now. Kelvin Sampson has Houston recruiting at a really high level. They play incredible defense. They're probably the best defensive team in the country. And almost every player on their team can shoot and has the ability to make their own shot. And that's basically what we're going to be having in, in the near future. Like all of our guys, even if they're not elite defenders right now, they can create shots and they like Pike is clearly leaning towards offensive prowess with the guys he's looking into now more than defensive prowess. Um, if you look at it like a guy like Gavin Griffiths, he's not necessarily a great defender right now, but I think he has the potential to be a really good defender. Ace Bailey, when he comes, you know, he's a great defender, but he's, you know, his offensive game is off the charts. Good Dylan. He's a decent defender, but his offensive game, the ability to create shots and finish around the hoop. He's an incredible offensive talent. What do you guys think? What do you think the, the ceiling is for this program after we get two classes of like total studs coming in, in theory? Because 24 is still not finished, but it's looking really good. I think I think Houston's pretty accurate, a pretty good description of what it's going to look like. You said defense first, offense second, but you get these offensive players like uh, Ace Bailey who could score at will, but still has 10 blocks in this, mm-hmm. his most recent game. And then you have uh, Michael uh, Davis is a pretty good defender too. I know people don't talk about him enough, I don't think. Um, he's super athletic and super quick. He's twitchy. He's, he's going to be a good player as well. Um, but if you look at the recruiting classes, Houston had two five-stars in 2022. They have three four-stars in 2023, and it's 
eerily similar because you have Griffiths and Bailey as the two five stars. You have several four stars. You have Delquan Warren. You, you're probably going to get Kurt Tang. You're going to have another one, whether it be a Lathan Somerville or um, what was I saying? Jared Mustaf, Mustaf mm-hmm. if I'm pronouncing that correct. Um, they're, it's, it's, you're really, I think you hit the nail on the head there. There's really nothing else I could say other than it's, it's basically a lesser version of Houston. I think I wrote it at some point early in the season about, uh, I think it might have been January of how, you know, the amount of elite defense Rutgers was playing. And then I was thinking about adding the offensive guys like Ace Bailey and Gavin Griffith. Like, I, I think, I think Pike on the staff recruited like a perfect blend. Like, he understands that this team needs more offense. So then he recruits these really good players, but then they also play really good defense. I think it's like the perfect blend for Pike. Like, like, you know, normally he always says when freshmen come in and, you know, they're not really good defensively and they get all their ratings because, you know, because of the offense that, that they do. Uh, but these, but the, um, uh, but the guys that, you know, that he's brought in have, have the perfect blend, have the perfect mix. They're really good offensively. They're really good defensively and they're, and they're versatile. Like a guy like, uh, a guy like Bay, Bay Nadongo, I think, I think that's what his name is. Like, no one talks about he him. seems like he's like almost <laughs> like a better, Mawat Mag at this point, like he's better in high school than the Mag was, and like Ace Bailey, obviously Gavin Griffiths, I was really impressed with him watching him at the rack a couple weeks ago. Uh, so I think I think it's just I, th- I think the future is extremely bright for Rutgers if they could keep everyone everyone here. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've talked about it in the past where you land Dylan. If these guys <laughs> end up being as good as advertised, I mean. Sh- you're talking about Jeez. this could be a team that not only wins the yeah, this could be a team not only wins the Big Ten, but I'm I'm thinking this could be a lead eight final four, possibly contender, honestly. Like I think the ceiling is that high for yeah. a, a squad like that. If these again, if these guys are as good as advertised, you get done. I mean, it's not uh, to me. That that's the ceiling. And yeah, like you said, better day, better days I think are definitely ahead for Rutgers basketball. And, like, if you think about it, we've talked about this previously, but nobody in the Big Ten really recruits at that level. So mm-hmm. we will have probably the most talent in the Big Ten for the 24-25 season by a decent margin. Like, Michigan State lands the occasional, you know, five-star kid. Like, I think they have that kid Collier committed in the 23 class who mm-hmm. was a top 10 kid. But, I mean, they're hit or miss. Like, they land, you know, a top 10 kid, and then the next year they don't, you know, they don't even land somebody in the top 100. Izzo obviously runs a great program. Um, mm-hmm. Indiana will land the five occasional five star. Illinois will land the occasional five star. But outside of that, there's nobody in the Big Ten really recruiting at this like top fifty level in terms of landing top fifty kids consistently. So I think the talent mismatch, as long as Pike can, you know, deal with that different challenge of getting these five stars their minutes and getting to showcase them for the NBA, like. I don't know. I, I'm very, very high on the future of this program. Even looking as quickly as next season, I think if Gavin Griffiths is as good as people say, as good a shooter, Gavin Griffiths and Cam Spencer alone can carry your offense. Like, that's just my opinion. Yeah, uh, Kyle Year's committed to USC, by the way. You, uh, Michigan State doesn't have any 2024 commits currently. I'm talking about 23. They got they got uh, somebody. Xavier Booker and Jeremy. Xavier Pierce. Booker. That's who I'm thinking. Yeah. Of, sorry. Yeah, he's gonna be good, but they they. I don't want to say they recruit at that level, but it's pretty close. Like they have like number what, like eight and twenty-five, I think it is. But like I, I, I know what you're saying. But the Rutgers is 
just Ace Bailey could be the number one player in the country. I was told the other day yeah. by an analyst. Like people don't understand how good this kid is. And I hate saying he's Kevin Durant, but he's a tall, lengthy four forward, whatever you want to call him, wing. He can dribble. He can score. He can play defense. Like mm-hmm. Kevin Durant. Like I hate to compare <laughs> the mold, but he's that good. Yeah. So people don't understand how good this team is going to be with him. And then you put Gavin Griffiths, who's arguably the best shooter in the 2023 class, next to him? Holy shit. I do feel oh. like the Ace Bailey hype has dampened the Gavin, Gavin Griffiths hype a bit. But, mm. yeah, that yeah, kid is going I to agree. be a fucking problem. Yep. And then put Kurt Tang as a guard who could score and is crafty on his own. Then you put mm-hmm. Delquan Warren, who's an old-school traditional point guard that has the skills and the vision and can yep. put the ball in the, and can dribble like – then you get Lathan Somerville, who's number like one, he's going to be like 120, 130 in our rankings when they come out next week. Holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> and going back and to what you said, Mike, the uh, the the uh, Ace Bailey hype has kind of hampered the Gavin Griffiths hype, and I feel like the the Dylan Harper waiting game has kind of hampered the Ace Bailey hype. So it's kind of like it's just just to me, it's just like an embarrassment of riches at this point. No one's talking about it. Chris mentioned it before. Benedangu is fucking good. Yeah. Like, oh my god! Like, what this? What is going on? I, I do think it'll like, be very interesting to see like how he distributes minutes next year. Mm-hmm. Given that I think Nadango will play, Gavin Griffiths obviously will play. I think Michael Davis will step in and play too. Like, mm-hmm. I think all three of those guys are going to be addition or improvements over what we have currently, and it'll be interesting to see how many. We didn't have any transfers out last year. I think there will be some. That ain't happening. There's no shot in hell. Like, no offense to some of the players on the team, but Michael Davis is getting minutes next year. Uh, Bain Adongu is getting minutes next year. Gavin Griffiths, 100%, might even be a starter next year. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you could actually argue he is a starter, but uh, I know Chris compared Adongu to Mag, but Adongu's 6'10". Like, he's going to be playing some five. I know people are, like, skinny, whatever. The new age center is eventually going to adapt or big 10 teams are eventually going to adapt to the new age center. Maybe this is it. Maybe Rutgers starts the transition because Nadango could put the ball on the court. He can score within uh, anywhere within like 10 feet and he just got great vision. He's yeah, he's skinny. He's not gonna be able to, he might get pushed around by Hunter Dickinson, but once one team or I shouldn't say one team, once multiple teams adapt to this new age center, everyone's either going to have to adapt or die. And that's just how it works in the sports world in general. Yeah, and the strength and conditioning program at Rutgers is not something we talk about often, but if you listen to our, our interview with with Gio, he came in at like 6'4", 150, 160, said every time Pike tells the story, it's, you know, his weight <laughs> drops five pounds. But he said by the end of that first summer he was here, he said he had to like kind of t- pump, pump the brakes a bit because he was getting so muscular that it was like he was having a hard time moving around. Uh, so he said he got up to like 180 by the end of that summer. And so a lot of these guys, yeah. if they can get in there and have that kind of like, can you imagine Gavin Griffiths with like an extra twenty pounds on him? Yeah. Or Bane yeah. Dongo with an extra twenty pounds on him? Like Shit. those guys will be legit players in the Big Ten. And obviously by their second or third year they'll be grown men. But man, I am I'm very excited to see what this class uh does yeah. next Shout year. Shout out Rich Van Dyke. People named Rich, man, they just they know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Some would call them dicks. Right, Just don't whatever. get a technical <laughs> foul, and, and and don't get a technical foul from the bench. <laughs> oh my god, I still no, forgot all about forgot that. You got that, right? <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, what else we got? 
Um, yeah, we covered basically everything I uh, we had written uh, down. We didn't talk about the little, little hoops rumor thing, transfer person that I can't pronounce whatsoever that was mentioned on the boards yesterday. Yeah, one of our more connected posters uh, was talking about how Tosin uh, Ev. Ooh, uh, more terrible at names, but his first name is Tosin. He's a forward for, for Princeton. <laughs> um, apparently, he was looking like he was going to be an NBA draft pick, and now he's you know, 50-50 to do another year at a power five. Uh, he's one of the best players in the Northeast, and you'd want to go somewhere where he started, and he's he's very, very good. He's He's got like really a really good handle for a guy as big as he is, but he's also got some power. I think he'd make a fantastic addition as our, our starting four next year. Um, especially if Cliff leaves, we'd need another big man who's actually grizzled and, um, you know, can handle the, the, the grind of a college basketball season. That That's a very interesting name. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's very interesting. <laughs> E-V-B-U-O-M-W-A-N. How the f- – I'm sorry, but I have no idea how even to even start mm-hmm. with that one. But uh, no, he's he's a really good player, and it makes mm-hmm. sense because um, I know I mentioned it on the boards that Mag, if based on the timeline of an ACL injury, Mag would start practicing around the start of the season, so probably won't be ready for game one, but maybe towards the end of the out of conference schedule. Um, so this would this would kind of make sense to get a guy like this, especially a guy that could score. Like it's not like he's not scoring; he's averaging fourteen point eight in the Ivy League, and not to mention. There's there's a connection there. People just always forget. Like Brett McConnell is a former Rutgers guy. He's their associate head coach and recruiting coordinator over at Princeton. And if if you follow Rutgers basketball religiously, he's always mentioned as the next guy up for an assistant job. It sounds like he's very close to getting one eventually, as soon as someone leaves. But you don't want these guys to leave because they're pretty good. Um, but he's also the son of Kevin McConnell, who's the chief of staff for football. Like there's a ton of connections there, so they're very familiar with each other. It wouldn't surprise me if this kid graduated Ivy and wanted to stay local, like uh, one of our posters said. And it wouldn't shock me if Rutgers pulled this off because the kid's from England too, which we don't talk about. Which Rutgers has, Rutgers doesn't recruit the states. They're just like screw it, let's just get someone from out of country, and it's it's been working. Like his name is Tosin Awoma, by the way. That's how you pronounce it. There's Awoma. no really. Yeah, there's a lot of silent letters in there. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of consonants and a lot of vowels in there. Yeah, yeah that's. That's crazy. Uh, I'm going to have to figure that one out if you ever... You know he's going to go to Rutgers just because we can't pronounce it. Yep. <laughs> um, but no, like the, like I said it before, like Mag's from out of country. Uh, Akwazi Yabo is from out of country. Cliff's mm-hmm. technically from out of country. Uh, Benny Dango is from out of country. Um, I'm missing someone. I'm, Oscar's awesome. from out of country. Like it's Rutgers does really well recruiting out of country kids. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they pulled this one off too. We have to enter the portal, yeah. but sure. Yeah, obviously this is all speculation, but I think we'll be looking for a big man in the portal potentially next year. So, yes, that's the other issue. Yep. Um, I think, I think, I do think that Cliff either, you know, decides to go pro and that's kind of it, or he will come back for another year because I, I just don't think, I think his offensive game has gotten worse this year. If we're sure. being honest, mm-hmm. um, after last night. If you look at his his shooting statistics, not he's ninety percent when it's you know a two pointer that's a dunk. When it's not a dunk, if it's just a layup or a tip in, he's shooting forty eight point seven percent. And on uh, jumpers, hook shots, and floaters, he's shooting twenty seven percent on the season. So his his offensive game is not ready for the NBA. 
Right. Does he just go to the G League and just get, you know, basically, you know, 24-7 training on, you know, post moves and offense? I honestly think that might be the best move for him. And that I'd love to have Cliff back. He's so important to this team, especially like saw so last night. Defensively, this team is not the same when he's not in the game. Yep. But for his career, if he wants to play in the NBA, I think he'd probably be best suited to just go play in the G League next year. I don't want him to. I'd love to have him back. This isn't me, you know, chewing him away because he is a fantastic player. But I, I don't know what more we can do for him to improve his offensive game outside of like, you know, having him work in the offseason with like not a kid. You know, not Hakeem Olajuwon, but somebody like him. Like you've heard Jay Young. Anybody? Jay Young. I mean, you guys have probably heard like he's the go-to guy for NBA bigs when they want to learn, you know, post moves. They go to Hakeem. Mm -hmm. They need to find somebody like that to just work with Cliff and get his post moves down because yeah, yeah. At the same time, I think he's probably going to weigh. I would think Rutgers might give him an NIL, maybe some type of NIL. Well, no, they they can't. They can't. The problem. Because uh, he's he's on a student, of, he's on a visa. He can't get uh, in now. Ah, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. I know that. That's where it's tricky. Right. Yeah. And then, okay. like in the in the preseason, uh, he mentioned to me that I'm sure unless something changed at this point, but he was on track to graduate uh, at the end of the year. So, yep. Um, that's obviously that's also another factor in that. So, yeah. It's yeah, and I, I hate to say it, like people. I, I had a conversation with one of our board members the other day, and he's like, "Why would he go to the G League? G League's dog shit. They don't even pay." And I'm like. What do you mean they don't pay? Like Ron Harper yeah, Jr. is making like yeah. half a mil this year, and then he has a qualifying next year for like one point six. Like it's still like you might not think that's big money in terms of NBA salaries, but it's still significant money. Like, yeah. and then uh, quick, he, everyone has to stop saying the G League's like dog shit. Like the G League, since it rebranded as the G League, is turning into a legit minor league system. Yeah, it's producing not just players, coaches. Like Jerry Stackhouse was a G League coach. Uh, Patrick Ewing obviously didn't work out. I think so Jock far, Vaughn was too. Jock Vaughn, yeah. uh, Nick Nurse, won an NBA chip, was a G League Coach of the yep. Year. Like, yeah, I mean, if the G League like, to me, if the G League is good enough for Ron Harper Jr., it's good enough for Cliff. Like, he can, he'll he be can fine. go to the G League. He's going to the G League. And the twenty four seven development, like when you don't have to focus on school, you don't have to focus on anything else other than development of basketball. Like it's. You might see a totally different cliff in year one, like when he first enters the G League, to year two, where he might be a dominant ass center and it might be a guy that can shoot all of a sudden just because he gets to work 24 7. He does, don't, I'm not saying he doesn't work at Rutgers 24 7. He does it as much as he can, but just the fact that you have a professional level coaching staff helping you nonstop, like it's just so much different. Yeah. And again, like Mike said, I'm not advocating for him to do this, but it sounds like he's leaning a little more towards that right now. So we'll see. Yeah, um, yep. we covered a lot here. Uh, appreciate you guys <clears throat> listening. Is there anything you guys want to touch on before we, we hop off here? I guess just uh, figured just thoughts and prayers, honestly, to what's going on, what happened uh, to Michigan State and what happened to any anybody associated with Ryan Keeler. Just two absolutely awful, awful things that have happened recently in the world of college sports that just makes me just sad. And I just wanted to you know, give prayers and thoughts to anybody associated with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chris, you got anything? Uh no. That was that was that was very nice, Craig. Uh but <laughs> no, I got I got nothing else for you. Yeah, no, I agree, Craig. That was that was great. But uh 
I want to talk a little Rutgers baseball before we leave. Um, mm. They were supposed to play Canisius today, and this, this, I thought it was swinging and swine for the whole time. I thought, like, Hector was spelling it wrong. It's the swig and swine classic. <laughs> mm. And every time he sent me an email, he's like, swing, swig and swine. I'm like, no, dude, you're spelling it wrong. He's like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, I look it up. I'm like, oh, shit, like, you're spelling it right. <laughs> um, anyway, it's, it's, just, it's a weird name for the classic. It's down in South Carolina. Uh, Three-game series this weekend. George Mason replaced Canisius, who didn't make it due to weather and – uh, travel arrangements. So George Mason, it's similar RPIs I was looking at last season. I'm assuming it's probably the same this season since it's so early. So it doesn't really hurt Rutgers that much. Uh, Ball State game two on Saturday and then Boston College game three. I wouldn't be shocked if Rutgers walked away with a sweep here. I, it's called sweep, kind of, sort of, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Um, a lot of good players against them. And um, I know people are down on the team because they played Campbell and went one and two, but C- Campbell's good. Like, Campbell's yeah. a good queen. They're, they're a good team. That that pitcher, which Mike sent me a link the other day, and I, I think I ended up tweeting it because uh, Rutgers had three of the top three hundred MLB draft prospects. That pitcher is like number twelve. Like he's disgusting. Yeah, their their top their ace is projected to be a first round pick in the Major League Baseball draft this year. Um, so they're not a bad team. Baseball is weird because like these seemingly like lower level colleges, a lot of them have really good baseball teams because they're <clears> in the <throat> South. So mm-hmm. and Campbell's one of them. Yeah, so that's all I got to say. Watch out for that. I don't know if there's anywhere to watch it yet. I don't think there is at all. There might be a stream online, but that's about it. Awesome. So, yeah, again, thoughts and prayers to the Keeler family, to Michigan State. Um, Thanks again for listening, guys. If you haven't already, like and subscribe. Give us a five-star review. It helps everybody who else is a Rutgers fan to find our pod. Um, We appreciate you listening once again. But for me and the rest of the guys, it's been another edition of the podcast and signing off. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.